last night. Left the ring after... Turn that over and be quiet a minute. I've got a little something I want to tell you. Oh, I don't doubt that. How come you've got my chair run down so low? You've got it run down low trying to make... I don't handle chairs, Ron. I don't have a thing to do with it. Put yours down there a little bit. That's I want to tell you something. Let me tell you. I took that loud mouth, dumb old Dromo down there last night. I whooped that man to the point that they had to send eight wrestlers and John Kazana and all the police in the building in there and hold me and pull me off of him. <laughs> I took that man down there and whooped him so bad, humiliated the man when I got him tied down to where he couldn't run from me, that he got the worst whooping that he's ever had put up on in his life, probably in the whole history of his wrestling career down there. You didn't I get a whooping. I shamed him. No, I didn't get a whooping. What? You see any bruise marks on me this morning? I didn't see any on Dromo. Well, you ought to see him. He's down there this morning, beat up, looks so bad as a shame. He's come up here and Country Road Detours, podcasting from the front porch of the South. Visit us at countryrolddetours.com. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Country Road Detours. If you lived in Knoxville in the late 60s or early 70s, you may have recognized those voices in the beginning audio clip. It was the infamous bad boy wrestler Ron Wright and announcer Big Jim Hess having one of their many feuds which was the highlight of Knoxville's wrestling show which aired on local TV stations in Knoxville. Many fans believed they couldn't stand each other, but behind the scenes they were actually great friends. Jim not only could act, but his deep smooth voice was perfect for radio and TV spots. Jim's biggest fan was his son, Fred Hest. Fred grew up tagging along with his father as he hosted TV shows, events, and worked in the studios. Like his father, Fred is also talented. He's in the marketing business and is currently president of Smarketing LLC. Bradley Reeves is East Tennessee's leading archivist and radio personality. He's currently developing Smoky Mountain Radio, which will be airing old-time music, which you don't hear much anymore. He's also working on a fascinating museum to be located in the station near the Smoky Mountains. And now, if I may borrow that phrase from the late Big Jim Hess, nobody does it better than Jim. And now, let's listen in. Hi, this is Bradley Reeves. I'm a guest host for Country Road Detours. And uh, we're in the studio, the Smarketing Studio, with uh, Mr. Fred Hess. How you doing, Fred? Doing great, Bradley. How are you? I'm awesome. I can't believe this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Long time coming. Long time coming. I mean, we've had email correspondences, I think, 10, 15 years ago. Back and forth when you were uh, asking my mom for some stuff on my dad a long time ago. Yep. His dad was... The legendary Big Jim Hess, local East Tennessee and uh, Knoxville music maven. This guy was all over the place for decades. Part of the uh, uh, local landscape for many, many, uh, many years. He was. He was in uh, radio forever, um, then moved over into uh, Channel 26 
and was salesperson, but he also uh, did Wide World of Wrestling. He did commercials for everybody. Uh, he bartered a car out of Dean Stallings Ford, and all he had to do was a radio remote every month. So uh, Dad had it going on. He, he, uh, he, he worked the system. <laughs> he was cool. Yeah. He was slick. I never got to meet him. But I tell you what, it comes off mm. in every piece of audio and every piece of video that somehow creeps in, you mm-hmm. know, just fragments of history, mm-hmm. of his history. And so much of that was never captured on disc or um, reel-to-reel tape or even videotape. And what right. was captured uh, doesn't survive. Right. So it's amazing to me, these little pieces of history that keep coming up mm-hmm. related to your father. Mm-hmm. And the more that I learn, the more amazed I am about mm-hmm. his career. I don't know if you know this or not, but my granddad, James B. Hess Sr., actually Hess Hall at the University of Tennessee is named after him. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's one of those things where, wow, I didn't know that. It's like, yeah, it's called the zoo, of course. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that's amazing because from the, the academia side of the family, your dad chose to go into the arts. Right. And uh, I believe he was an actor as well. Uh, he act. Uh, he did act. He was also an incredible singer. He actually had, uh, from what I understand, he had the opportunity to go to New York City, and I believe sing in the opera. I believe. I'm maybe oh, wrong again. Goodness. Very very young. I could imagine that he had such a low, big, booming voice. You mm-hmm. know, so that I, I could imagine that he had a beautiful voice. I know that he made a few records, which are extremely rare and hard to find today. Mm-hmm. And there are great examples of uh, his recitation work, mm-hmm. which he would do for years. He really knew how to uh, use his voice as an instrument, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you listen to some of those recordings, like the story of, of the three nails, mm-hmm. uh, I was telling uh, a fella earlier today, it was like, well, the, you take that story and you take it from a, a, a euphoria of the three nails on being able to meet Jesus, finally be able to meet Jesus. And then the total devastation of the three nails because they're the ones that are crucifying him. They're the, the tool to make that happen. And Dad's voice, when you listen to this thing, it's just like, oh, my God. It'll give the chills down your spine. Oh, really? It really does. Yeah. I'm putting that on the Smoky Mountain Radio playlist, <laughs> along with some other things that have turned up. Uh, let's go back to 1954. Three years before I was born. Three, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> James Dick decided he wanted to start a radio station. Yeah. And uh, WIVK was born. First location. Uh, did you know it was at 319 North Gay Street? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go running around that building last summer. Did you? Yeah. The owner let me in. And if you go upstairs to the where the original studio was, you can still see remnants of the paneling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a communication system. It's like a communication system. It's like stepping back into time where your dad was uh, hosting like two or three shows with different voices right. every day. Right. With Claude Tomlinson, Claude <clears throat> the Cat Tomlinson, AC Boy Wilson, the forgotten Laurie June, um, whose uh, real name is Mickey Wayland. Um, Archie Campbell, so many greats in that little studio. And, you know, when they left Gay Street and went to Bearden Hill, pretty much across from where you and I are at right now, right. 
uh, they just kind of left everything, uh, a big stash of records and <laughs> – uh, yeah. Okay, they, that's worth some money. <laughs> well, the owners of the building put them out on a street in crates oh. and free to good home. Oh, no. Yeah. So they're scattered all about in Knoxville. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, one of the recordings that I found from an engineer who I believe is still with us, he's in his 90s, Milton Jones. Does that name sound familiar? Mm-mm, sure doesn't. He signed WIVK on the air. He was their engineer. And he kept these recordings. Uh, all these years from WIVK, big 16-inch transcription discs. And um, he saved them not for preservation, but he could melt them down and uh, sell them for junk money. You know, He would get like funds right. for the aluminum and steel within the discs. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he had uh, overlooked those, and I got those from him. And one of the most amazing pieces of Knoxville radio history turned up. This is a WIVK promotional disc from 1954 uh, with your dad doing the Big Jim show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and totally and, in voice. And I know we're going to play that in just a second, but back then, Big Jim was a hillbilly. Yeah. That was his character. And, of course, then it became Big Jim and Little Alf. Right. And kind of a comedy duo, right? It, it was, if you think about it, WIVK still has the, the two people in the morning. And I think the really the the people that invented that were Dad and Claude Tomlinson. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I can't think of any other precedent mm. uh, before that on WNOX or, or WROL. That sounds about right. Yeah. Those two, if Knoxville ever had a Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, yeah. I think it would have been Big Jim and, and Claude Tomlinson. Yeah, there's photos. You probably have them, but there's photos of Dad in a hillbilly hat and Claude doing, and they're all doing funny faces. And Dad really could not take a straight picture. You know, it always has to be kind of a goofball thing. But I know we want to listen to the clip, so let's take a listen. that we could sell better than anybody else. Now, we'd walk in these here stores around here in Knoxville and tell these merchants to just try WIVK one time. Well, they tried it. My guys are still with us, too. Now, I reached a homemaker who's almost always around the house. Now, these people who work in warehouses and service stations and and all the time waiting, uh, something, wanting something played for them. Well, I get a lot of mail from women who work in factories, too, and get home about 5 o'clock. School kids, they like hillbilly music, too. Don't you kid yourself. In fact, yes, I expect everybody likes the Big Jim show. And, young'un, if you're expecting me to say I can sell, let me give you this advice. You put your dough on the Big Jim show. Now let's have a piece of music here, won't you? Here's a good one, Connor. I ripped this one myself. Sure did. <laughs> so let's be listening to it, won't you? Here's George McCormick up here with "Don't Add an X to Your Name." 
That is a great little piece. Yeah. There's so much going on there. He's so young. <laughs> you can hear it in his voice. He's just so young. But, man, he had that character and, and bought in. As a matter of fact, Dad worked very, very hard later in life to get the southern accent out of his voice because mm-hmm. he wasn't getting jobs outside of the south, and he wanted to have jobs outside of the south, so he, he tried to get that Midwest accent. But in his early days, obviously, he was Big Jim the Hillbilly and playing hillbilly music. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had that high-pitched East Tennessee twang thing mm-hmm. going on. And to do a whole show mm-hmm. in that character mm-hmm. – that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I, I tried that once on WDVX. I tried to do a whole show as a lounge lizard, kind of a Vegas guy, yeah. uh, Dean Martin type thing. Yeah. And about a third of the way through it, I slipped back into my normal self. I'm just like, I ruined it. <laughs> can't do it. it anymore. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Bradley Reeves. It's Chick Chandler didn't quite make it. Um, you know, speaking of uh, him being able to sell, yeah. Um, he was. He was a master salesman, and he did it through the radio. And I, I remember a story he was telling me that later later in life, uh, he was a big ice cream fan, and he would always take uh, my brother and me to Kay's Ice Cream, and we'd get the triple-decker and all that kind of stuff. And it was for us, of course, and, of course, he had the triple-decker, too, and he loved it just as much. Mm-hmm. But Kay's came out with, uh, I believe it was bubblegum ice cream. Ooh. And da- yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Dad was promoting this, and he got a call from one of his friends. He, go- he goes, he goes, damn you, Big Jim. And Dad's like, what's the problem? He goes, you sell that bubblegum ice cream so much and so good. He goes, I went and bought some, and it's the worst I've ever tasted in my life. But he, it's kind of like you sell, you know, ice, ice uh, to the Eskimos. Eskimos. <laughs> that was selling bubblegum, uh, bubblegum ice cream to folks, oh. and it was terrible. Well, that, that's that's the the brilliance of Jim Hess. He was an excellent uh, advertising man. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he needed to do uh, to sell, he would do it. You know, I, I remember. Uh, transferring some commercials a few years ago from Pardons Jewelers, mm-hmm. which I believe was on Broadway. Uh-huh. Masterful. He made you want to go out and buy an engagement ring. He made you want it to, to, to be a part of something. I mean, he really had so much charisma and style, and there was just something really cool about him, uh, unique. Yeah, he was, uh, to me, he was dad, uh, yeah. and he was an awesome dad. And to uh, folks out there during those years i mean he was kind of this larger than life guy yeah i didn't realize just, he's my dad you know you know uh and that was it but to everybody else he was big jim and i was like oh you know and, you, and it carries more weight the older i get oh sure and so and i i'm missing terribly yeah. i really do uh you know I, I can just look at the picture right now there's you can't see this um but there's a great little memorial to big jim has with some amazing pictures highlighting his career and uh, really shows how multifaceted this man was, mm-hmm. involved in so many things. Mm-hmm. Seems like he liked to entertain. I mean, I'm just going by guessing, but he was also seriously uh, taking care of business as far as selling goes. Oh, he knew the purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, I've, I've been in, you know, marketing and sales and the creative side of the, of the business as well, just about my whole life. But I've met creative people that don't understand the purpose of what we're trying to do. 
And so they, they do pretty, and it's like pretty is good, but still need to sell this item or sell this service. Dad knew. I mean, he was like, no, I understand what we're doing here. We're trying to sell bubblegum ice cream right. type thing. And he understood it. And he also, he, he did, he loved to perform. But little known fact, he was actually very private, very shy, almost introverted. And it was only when he was out and on stage did Big Jim come. So you always had kind of dad at home which very, you know, still larger than life. But when he got out and started performing, that's when you see Big Jim. He becomes the character. He does. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, one, the character that he cultivated over the years and perfected, mm-hmm. he got better and better. You hear some of these early recordings, including one on that same disc, the WIVK promotional disc, which should not survive, but it did. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, do you have Gospel Train on there? This is the a show that your dad was doing at the exact same time as the big, um, the big Jim show, mm-hmm. but instead of being a hillbilly character, he's almost a, a preacher man, mm-hmm. a pastor, and he's <laughs> selling. Uh, uh, well, I'm not sure what he's selling. Let's take a listen here. <laughs> See what you think. Okay, get Sounds aboard the yeah. gospel train. For your morning's listening pleasure over radio station WIVK. The Gospel Train is presented in a dignified manner. It is produced with the express purpose of reaching the homemaker of the better middle class. This part of the country is often referred to as the Bible Belt. It is very religious, there being over 250 churches in Knoxville alone. Keep listening, and you'll see why so many women of East Tennessee say their favorite morning program is the Gospel Train. The little cares that fretted me, I lost them yesterday, among the fields about the sea, among the lowing of the herd, the rustling of the tree, among the singing of the birds, the humming of the bee, the foolish fears of what might happen, I cast them all away among the clover-scented grass. Among the, the clover-scented grass. Yes, and oh. the loin of the herd. <laughs> 
Oh, oh. I, that had to be tongue in cheek. You can almost hear a twinkle in his voice if that's such a, a thing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he was always known as one take Jim, but I swear that one probably took him twelve times to get through that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's. I wonder how long that program survived. Oh. Uh, nobody remembers the Gospel Train. Mm-mm. Um. Uh, yeah, no. that just shows how multifaceted he was and mm-hmm. all the demographics that he was reaching out to. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, had a wide range of, I mean, it, it just really depended on the product, the service, the show, whatever. Is is He was immensely talented in being able to use his voice in that way. And again, he, he used it, I can describe it as an instrument. He just literally is like, what do I need to do for this particular piece? And, and it was there. And it, it was... It was flawless, and it was it was um, instantaneous. I, I'm saying they literally one take, Jim. Uh, we were, I believe, we were over at Lavage, and I was with Dad in, in the car, and we pulled up, and he goes, he goes, come on in here, Freddie. You know, he called me Freddie, and uh, we got to do a little spot, <clears throat> and we go in there, and Dad's like, blah 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 blah, and he's getting to know the commercial a little bit, and they go, ready, Jim? Yeah, he he does it, nails it. Guy goes, thanks, and we're walking out, boom, and I'm like. <laughs> I thought we were going to be there a while, Dad. And he goes, mm, why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he had done it probably 10,000 times by then. I would imagine you become just a pro. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the most interesting pieces of film that ever turned up was from Archie Campbell's estate sale. Uh, we found a reel of film in a closet, mm-hmm. and we put that thing on the uh, uh, digital scanner. Mm-hmm. And there comes your dad. Young as can be, he's got mm. black hair, this mane of black hair. He looks great, and he he does this amazing introduction for Archie Campbell, Luke Brandon, and Smokey White, three of the great East Tennessee musicians. Mm-hmm. And it's from a television show called Comedy Country Capers. Okay, yeah, about yeah. 1960. I think I've seen that piece of film. Okay, he looks very nervous, very stiff. Very, he's very stiff. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Maybe that was his first time on television. Yeah, I would think so. Either first time or close to it, because it was again. It was I, when I saw the film. I'm like, God, lighten up, old man. What are you doing here? Yep. You know? Come on. <laughs> and it just, it just, we could tell, just young and inexperienced, but uh, it's still the voice was there. The voice was there. Yeah. It's, it's a pro job, and uh, you know, guys like that. They were pioneers in media, in selling, um, you know, your dad starting out at WKGN in the 1940s, mm-hmm. late 1940s, mm-hmm. and then moving on to IVK, he went to WKXV, which is a station that's still with us, and um, moving on to WCKY in Morristown. Mm-hmm. All these, he just kept moving around. Yeah, he was in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, really? Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Huh. Greenville, Mississippi. Germantown, Tennessee. If I can be a little crass for a moment, and I know this is you know on the on the internet, but yeah. <laughs> Dad, when he was in Greenville, Please. Mississippi, he said, uh, "If God was going to give the world an enema, he'd <laughs> stick the tube in Greenville, Mississippi." <laughs> that's bravo, bravo. That's, that's, that's my dad in a nutshell. <laughs> he didn't pull punches. <laughs> oh. Well, that, I love that. That's what. That's one of the things you love about these guys when you research them is. They were making up the rules as they went along and having a good time. It's so different from today's television and radio where it's more corporatized or what have you. Mm -hmm. They were loose. They were fun. The stories behind the scenes are a riot a lot of times when you you get people to share them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just a different time. And, uh, you know, the legacy of 
people like Claude Tomlinson and mm-hmm. your father is still, you know, st- still permeates radio, local media today. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the catchphrase of your dad's, nobody, but nobody. Tell Where did that come from? Everybody yeah. knows that. Uh, he, he used it uh, after that. It was so popular, he used it a lot. Um, and even in elementary school, kids would come up to me and say, say it. And I'm like, that's my dad. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> say it. Uh, nobody, but nobody. And then they'd think it hilarious. But um, that was actually the Kmart Furniture Balcony on Broadway, I believe. Oh, yeah. I've heard there was one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And literally, it's a balcony with a bunch of furniture on it. And they were like, we want to promote this. And Dad, I, I don't know whether Dad thought it up or somebody thought it up. Probably Dad thought it up, to be honest with you. And he came up with the nobody but nobody. And then, of course, he gave it that big gym where he hits that final nobody so hard and so long. Mm-hmm. That it was just became uh, a trademark. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like, man, this is wildly popular. And I guess Kmart sold a bunch of furniture, you know, uh, but it was so wildly popular that uh, he he did it a lot. It just be, just kind of became his signature thing to do. Everybody needs a signature like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Local celebrity. Why why did he move around to so many places? I mean, that's a- that's a good question. I, I think he just had itchy feet, to be honest with. You. But I mean, kind of in the radio business um, back in those days, you you kind of did do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved around, but he was again. He was the first program director at IBK. I think he pulled uh, Claude Tomlinson out of UT, if I remember correctly, to be on the air with him with the Big Jim and the Little Alf show. Mm-hmm. And then I think Dad was like, well, I got an opportunity over here. Maybe he was a general manager or maybe he was an, another program director. I'm not sure that was the younger, you know, I think I remember. You were just a kid. I was just a kid. I remember Tuscaloosa and I remember Germantown. That's amazing. Would he stay those at those places for a long time or maybe mm-hmm. a year? Mm-hmm. Just, that's the impression I got of Big Jim. He liked to be um, the big fish in the small pond. He didn't go to... On a local level, he didn't go to WNOX. He right. didn't go to uh, the big guys. He didn't work for WBIR Television or Channel 6 WATE. He went with the scrapper, WTVK, Channel 26. Right. And I just always had a feeling, I could be wrong, that he liked the looseness of... Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah when he went to uh, <laughs> Channel 26, um, he was home by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah, so he would uh, he'd make his... <clears throat> Sales calls yeah. uh, during the day, and then he would be he would be home, and of course back at, that was back in the, the day when we did not have cell phones or anything like that. But he would call in to the to the station, talk to his to the admin or, or uh, switchboard operator or whatever, and he would always say. Um, you know, name, and he go, this is poor old Big Jim just checking in, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, he loved, he did like that freedom. Yeah. And, uh, it, but uh, he'd always hit his sales numbers. Yeah. Um, all the time. I mean, it, it, he had he had the best accounts, hit the sales numbers, and in sales, that's what counts. Hit your sales numbers. That's what counts. And he probably kept uh, Channel 26 going for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. You know, and had fun with it. Uh, sounds like he was able to balance family life with his career. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He was he was really an awesome dad to uh, my brother and me. And uh, he, you, you know, when you're talking about what dads do, do they get out in the backyard and throw the baseball around? He did that. Um, did he go to ball games? He did that. So did mom. So I mean, we we had a we had a great childhood uh, growing up and had a lot of fun uh, with him. 
And your mother was just a lovely lady. I mean, I really enjoyed. Thank you. Uh, I think so too. Miss Joan. Miss Joan. Miss Joan. Yeah. Did you know that Dad met my mother working at a radio station in Alcoa, I believe? No, I had no idea. Yeah. Alcoa? I wonder uh-huh. what's that. It's was either it Alcoa, WGAP or either Alcoa or Maryville. Uh, it was definitely Blunt County over in that area. And then he evidently was had just done a show or something. Came out, and my mom had very long hair all the way down to her basically her butt. Mm-hmm. And she's knowing my mom, Mister Feist, Miss pa- uh, Feisty Pants. She was doing her little you know uh, quick quick walk thing, uh-huh. and the hair was bouncing. And to dad, that was like. Candy. It, it knocked him out. It knocked him out. He was, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry, I'm gonna marry that girl. And he actually, my dad was pretty slick because mom was kind of uh, dating this other guy by the name of Horace. And thank God, because I wouldn't want to be a Horace Junior. But nope. uh, no offense to Horace's out there, by the way. Are there any Horace's left? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and so uh, mom was kind of resistant to it, and and dad actually uh, sidled up to my grandmother. And won her over, uh-huh. and then grandmother started selling dad to mom. Bravo! That was smooth. Got to work it. <laughs> you got to work it. She was a beautiful lady. Even you know, all of her life, um, I knew her late in life, and um, mm-hmm. I, I was just always impressed. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was amazing. He he loved her <clears throat> so so much, and spoiled her rotten, and she deserved it. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame him one bit. That's, that's so sweet. Um, I wish, you know, I, I, I came along too late. I think your father passed about 1989. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Uh, February 4th, 1989. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Age 60. And I'm, and I'm 64. That's, that was young. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Dad didn't take care of himself. Yeah. And right. so uh, he, had, he had some health problems and didn't take care of himself, unfortunately. And I was, I was actually with him um, the night before he died. Uh-huh. And um, he was kind of out of it. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think God just kind of gave us 15 minutes, if you know what I mean. Yes. Came back and said, what are we watching? I was watching a ball game on TV, babysitting him, basically. He said, what are we watching? I went, oh, got my dad back. Oh. And we had a really good conversation. That is so, that's great. Mm-hmm. That is really great. Yeah. It's one of those where I'm glad we had it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rare, too. Uh, I think that uh, by the time, in 1989, I was just hitting 18 and I had a long way to go before the preservation started. So I missed a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. uh, these pioneers, Claude and everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a different era. You ate differently. Um, you smoked. You smoked all the <laughs> time. Radio, I mean, constantly. You drank. You drank know, martini lot. lunches. Oh, yeah. Mad Men, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Yeah. There's a great uh, video that Jim Early recorded on uh VHS tape. I think it's the 25th anniversary of WTVK. Have you seen that on YouTube? No. Your dad is the ringleader. <laughs> he's the Dean Martin of WTVK, and he's introducing all these people, like Jim Early, yeah. who was another great advertising genius yeah. in town. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a riot. I mean, Bobo the Clown. You know, Bobo. Pe- Bobo. Okay. Can I tell you a story about Bobo? Oh, please. I was actually <laughs> uh, my lovely wife, Donna. Um, the other night I was, I was saying that we were going to do the podcast with you and she goes, that's great. So she starts looking online and she goes, wow, here's a picture of your dad in clown makeup. I said, yeah, Bubba the Clown. Yeah. And she goes, how do you know that? Uh And I said, Bubba the Clown will be up in my brain forever (laughs) because dad had his morning show with Channel 26 TV show and Ringland Brothers uh, Circus was in town. 
and Bobo was a guest on Dad's show. And part of what they did was Bobo put clown makeup on Dad. Oh, so that's what's going on in that picture. Mm-hmm. It's actually the show, and, and Dad got his clown face on, which is awesome. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That came from your scrapbook, by the way. I scanned that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for real. And it's it's out there now on the interwebs. So <laughs> oh, good. It's, yeah. It's hilarious. And I actually uh, met Bobo and loved him because I love clowns. And he was like, we're going to give you, I think it's, we're going to give you tickets and make sure when you're there to, when I come out, you know, to do my thing that you say hi. And so we're sitting in the thing and I said, oh, dad, there's Bobo. And he goes, going down and see him. So I go down to the railing of the Coliseum and I'm waving, Bobo, Bobo, you know, and Bobo comes up, gives me a big hug. How are you doing? Are you having a good time? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm on cloud nine. Bobo the clown is awesome. It's a star. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Country Road Detours. So much lost TV history with Channel 26. When they moved off of Sharps Ridge, I heard they were filling up dumpsters full of videotapes. It's a sin. It's a sin. It's so much. It's history. I know, and every little scrap is valuable, you know, especially for that station. Um, Mm -hmm. So little bits and pieces do come up now and then. You said your dad had a TV show on Channel 26. It did, a morning show. Was that a country music theme or a talk show? It was more of a, yeah, more of a kind of a talk show um, with with guests and that type of thing. It wasn't country music or anything like that. It was just kind of a, almost like a Today Show, Good Morning America type thing. Um, my brother and I were on it one time. Uh, oh. My brother read the news, and I read the weather. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> were you nervous? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I screwed the weather up because oh, Dad no. was like, read that, but don't read that. And I read that. Oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, live TV. Mm-hmm. You got to love it. Have you ever been to Sharps Ridge? Oh, yeah. It's like going up that hill. Unreal. Fun stuff. Fun. Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I parked my car at the bottom of the hill and walked up. I didn't. I just couldn't do it. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. And during wintertime when it snowed, they would actually send a four-wheel drive vehicle down with chains to get you up the hill. Yeah. You can get up there, but you couldn't get back down. That's right. Don't I've lose heard, your brakes. They, yeah. Oh, that has happened a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a straight-up incline. Tony Lawson... A fellow uh, I worked with over at WDVX used to tell me about a, uh, a promotional gimmick for a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower, that uh, they were going to ride down that hill. This was for the radio, mm-hmm. um, WIMZ. Mm-hmm. And uh, the brakes went out on that riding mower, <laughs> and that it just went straight down that incline. And the poor guy, he didn't jump off. He just was screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah. This was it for him. This was, he was not going to make it. But if you know, you get to the bottom of the hill, you go straight back up. Right, into Sharps Ridge Park. Into the park. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they didn't even pave that road until, I think, 1959, 60. Yeah. So yeah. For everybody listening, Sharps Ridge, when you go up the hill, it's almost like you're in a space rocket taking off. Yes. It's you're looking straight up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the views are astounding. Yeah. Mm, incredible. Um, incredible. They give me a view of that little or a tour of that little studio uh, with so much history. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to see where your dad worked and where they and particularly did the wrestling show. Yeah. Your dad is so I mean in the parking lot, 
I had a guy meet me in the parking lot before I came in to hand me some videotapes to transfer. Mm-hmm. And I told him I was coming in here to see you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the first thing that came up was the wrestling. Oh, yeah. 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 Still today people are talking about yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of Saturdays um, in that studio up on the balcony where the uh, balcony um, camera was. So I would be able to look straight down on Dad and and Ron Wright getting into it. Wow! And I, so I spent a lot of Saturdays. I also spent, spent um, a lot of Fridays out at Chilhowee Park when they have the real wrestling. If you want to get a real good lesson on culture, yeah, culture. Uh huh. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> what kind of culture? I actually, I actually <laughs> learned to cuss. I, a real quick story. All right. I'm little Fred, and I'm there by myself um, with Dad. And Dad comes, and he finds this grandmotherly-looking lady that there's an empty seat ringside. And she, her name is Matilda or something like that. And it's like, hey, Matilda, do you mind if I put my son Freddie right here? Would you look after him while I do my thing? Because Dad would go up and make the announcements and all that kind of stuff for the wrestlers. Sure, sure, Big Jim, anything, I will take care of your son. So she's like, baby, would you like some popcorn, some Coke before we get started? And I'm like, God, this lady's great. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And so she got me all fixed up. Well, the matches start. And all of a sudden, this lady becomes, I don't know what, but a long <laughs> litany of cuss words come flying out of her mouth. And I'm looking at her like, what just happened? <laughs> and so we're in the car going home. And I said, hey, Dad, what does blah, blah, blah mean? Oh, no. <laughs> and he goes, don't tell your mother. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. That'll change it real quick. Yeah. That wrestling. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Oh, the, well, there is a, a clip out there. Um, John Kazana saved one of the original two-inch quad tapes. John, of course, was the wrestling organizer. Oh, yeah. And you can find it online. Uh, your dad, who's absolutely a scream in it. He's mm-hmm. he's having fun. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a comedy situation comedy. Mm-hmm. Down there and accepted it. And what business is a referee got down there sticking his nose in it, trying to stop a match, telling me that I can't do this, and that's illegal. When did all the man ought to done come down there and bought himself a ringside ticket, sat down there and minded his manners like the rest of them fans done left me alone. You through? No, I'm not through. Well, have you won, right? I was just sitting there waiting for you to open that big mouth again so I can tell you to shut up. You come down here, all you know to do is sit down here and lie. I don't know why the people down here don't get up a petition and have you fired from down here. They ought to fire you and run you from off the TV hill. Hire me and take your place and give me your job. Hey, I do a 10 hey, to 1 better job at it than you do. It ain't me that got suspended. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you <laughs> You trying to get old Big Jim fired and you got fired last night, old buddy. <laughs> What's this mouth mouth are talking about? You and Jomo both got suspended. That right there is the man that did it, and you're fine too, buddy. <laughs> what are you talking about? I called the commission last night, and I recommended that he be suspended for 15 days and a $100 fine. Right. You better have No, wait a minute. He's not got no authority to have me suspended. The only man that can spend me is a commission, buddy. When you're in that ring, you're going to do what I tell you to. When I tell you to, no, you don't want to say you me. You Would you like to make it $1,000? Huh? And a year suspension? Yeah, now we're going to go to a year and a thousand dollars. These loud 
mouth idiot referees. They're low down, conniving. Don't stand by and tell me to wait a minute. I'll smack you from across the ring over there. Go ahead if you feel Just because they put a referee shirt on and hide behind them white and yellow and black stripes, they ought to be yellow stripes because yellow's all you are. Y'all eat none of you, nothing but a bunch of yellow-bellied nitwits. Before you let your mouth run out, you put your hand on this man one time, he can suspend you for one year and fine you $1,000. You want to go for it? Hit him. Here I am. Right here. Are you going You let him face him. Don't hide behind me. Oh, brother. There it was. Ron Wright strikes again. They're playing it for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, thank him goodness and, uh, that survived. Him and Ron Wright were actually really good friends. Ah, really okay. good friends. We were. Ron Wright was a master um, uh, printer in Kingsport at the Kingsport Press. Mm-hmm. So this guy knew his stuff in that area, but loved to perform and loved to wrestle and drive people crazy. Yeah, he was an ultimate bad guy. And that and him just hit it off. We spent a couple of couple times up in Kingsport in his house, with pictures all over the uh, all over the wall with Whitey Caldwell, if you mm-hmm. remember that name. Oh yeah, and the massive matches they had, which was awesome. Well, at some point with Dad and Ron getting into it on the air, you know, with that ah, that, that tension, Ron goes, "Big Jim, you got to hit me." And Dad goes, I'm not going to hit you. Are you crazy? He goes, No, you have to. It's got to the point now where you've got to hit me. And Dad goes, all right. And so, sure enough, the next show, I was there. Sure enough, the next show, Ron's getting in, and, he, and Ron hits him, kind of pushes him. Yeah. You know, Dad reaches down and grabs a real steel garbage can. Uh-huh. You remember those old school ones? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whap! <laughs> hits him with it. Ron, of course, oh. goes down, destroys the desk, makes a big deal out of it, of course, and he's knocked out. Oh, oh. Knocked, I'm putting, you know. Yeah. He's knocked out. And out comes John Cazano. God, what have we done to Ron? And it, people loved it. Yeah. People absolutely loved it. That, that make believe, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and they still like it today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's still popular. But, you know, it's amazing that he was doing all this stuff and um, involved in so many different things. I mean, he was, he even put out records for MGM, mm-hmm. which is an, a major label. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was through ties with Jim Dick. Mm-hmm. He was, um, uh, he has uh, about four or five song credits for uh, BMI, Broadcast Music Incorporated, mm-hmm. that y'all still own 50% of. Mm-hmm. And uh, just played such a huge role. I mean, he got Disc Jockey of the Year, I think, in 1963, 64. Yeah. We spent quite a, a bit of time over in Nashville and uh, going to uh, the Grand Ole Opry, uh, believe it or not. Had backstage passes every time we went to the Grand Ole Opry. And Dad was really good friends with a fellow by the name of Bill Carlisle. Oh, yeah. Jumping Bill. Jumping Bill Carlisle. This guy could literally flat-footed jump over a chair. Right. Even when he was 85. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible man. Loved him to death. Uh, Treated me and my brother like gold. And he was just an awesome man and an incredible talent. Yeah. And so we'd spend a lot of time at the Capitol Park Inn in Nashville. I don't Uh think it exists today. But it was great because Dad would always get a room down on the ground floor so we could go out and swim in the pool and have a big time. But we spent a lot of time over in Nashville, and uh, that was that was good stuff. Well, I, I mean, I've had a lot of a lot of fun working on material. Uh, 
when you're whenever it comes to me of your dad, including something that was really interesting. Somebody really loved your dad enough to uh, set that cassette player uh, on their home hi-fi system back in the 70s. Um, your dad was also working for W-E-Z-K. Mm-hmm. And you can see the recitations still going on 20 years after the W-I-V-K. Mm-hmm. And this, this will put you to sleep. It's so relaxing. Mm-hmm. It is so smooth and so cool. And I imagine the ladies... All over Knoxville, we're swooning. <laughs> um, I, I like the one with the uh, Frank Sinatra intro. All-fair recording. Um, another thing that shouldn't exist, except for somebody's unique home recording off-air. That's cool. It is cool. Just little fragments of your dad's history. And, oh, oh yeah. that? There you go. Oh. This radio like this. Oh. And Frank Sinatra. Come on. The man. Nothing nice. Moonlight in Vermont. Once again, here's Jim Hess. I talk with you and hear your voice. The sun rises high without its own choice. Clouds only form from darkness and fear. For when you need me, you know I'm always near. The clouds go away come the end of the day and the strange sky looks at you without dismay it tells you of love that comes not from above but from someone you like without dismay Bravo. You know, he had a little bit of that Barry White, uh, oh. <laughs> James Earl Jones thing going there. Yeah. Oh, man. With that organ in the background? Yeah. 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 I think I've heard some of this poetry before. I think he went out and got a book of poetry, and he would just read along to a record. Um, and That's awesome. Yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. It was really, I was like, dang, Dad. Yeah, you're smooth. Getting, you're getting funky with it, baby. I'm t- <laughs> Oh, well, that's just the genius of these guys. They were multi-talented. They were involved in so much and, you know, selling a lot. There's no telling how much money uh, your dad brought in for these companies and how much marketing. I mean, it's just amazing to me. And having a good time with it, that's the important thing. You know, there's that fine line, the balance of selling but entertaining mm-hmm. is too. If you can do the, both of them equally well, you've got something special, and I think your dad did. Yeah, he did. I mean, he taught me several things. One was um, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, so you're going to respect the people's time. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. That's, uh, you learn that lesson once, and then you go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on time. And then he's like, if you're going to be a ditch digger, be the best ditch, ditch digger there is. Mm-hmm. And so the message was, you know, excel, you know, 
yeah. work at it, work hard. And uh, that was always life lessons from dad that I, I took to heart. Mm-hmm. I really did. It's good advice. Well, thank you so much, um, Fred. It's been a, a pleasure. It's, it's been, been a really, fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I could I could go on. I yeah. mean, I really could for the next three hours. But we, I guess, we'll wrap it up right here. Yeah. Well, Bob's kind of shutting us down over there, so you know, yeah. Bob Longmire, the producer, director, and uh, all around uh, genius behind the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, Bob. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by Country Road Detour. 